that people try to take the Christ out of Christmas, man. You ever heard of that before? Can't take the Christ out of Christmas. Hey, I, there's, there's music coming up from these speakers. If we can turn that music down or off, actually. Okay. Yeah, we, we get to be in a country where we get to celebrate Jesus. We get to worship him. And I just want to take a moment to be thankful for that, right? So everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's begin to thank God because we don't know if this is always going to be this way. We don't. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this country. God, even though it's not perfect, it has its flaws. Lord, we thank you that each and every one of us, we get to be uh, public with our faith. We get to celebrate Jesus. We get to celebrate the name above every name. God, that there's a whole season dedicated to our Savior. And even though they may try to commercialize and make it about other things, God, we know it is about you, the gift above gifts, Lord. The greatest gift of all, your life, your blood shed on the cross for us so that we may receive the payment for our sins, Lord. God, I pray for each and every youth, Lord, in this season that they would not be concerned with the materialistic things of this world. They wouldn't even be concerned with the things that seem noble. God, that it wouldn't just be all about family. It wouldn't just be all about food. It wouldn't just be all about good times. God, because you're so much more than those things. God, from eternals past to eternals, uh, eternal ages to come, Lord, Lord, you will be our faithful friend, like Yolis was saying. You will be our Savior. You will be our God, Lord. So we pray that we would just, in remembrance of what you, uh, how you came to us, I pray that we would be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. God is so good. I love Christmas. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Christmas, man. I, I love caroling. I love uh, even I, even evangelizing and winter is fun. You know what I'm saying? It gets a little hot. It gets cold, I'm not going to lie, and there ain't no one out there sometimes. You're like, ah. But even then, being able to share the gospel on a month where everyone is thinking about Jesus. Think about this, guys. Everyone is thinking about Christmas right now. You know, maybe they're thinking about the wrong things about Christmas, but they're thinking about Christmas, and it's an awesome time. I know Liam right here. Liam, I love Liam because he has the heart of an evangelist. He's always talking about reaching his friends, right? Uh, Liam, this is an awesome time for you to preach the gospel, right? Because people are talking about Christmas. Even people that will never go set foot in church. Maybe they're, they're, they're Hindu. Maybe they're Muslim. Maybe they're atheists. But they do know about this holiday Christmas that has awesome, an awesome word in it, Christ. So you can literally tell people about Christmas, right? And it's an easy segue into the gospel, right? For example, let's say I see Josiah in the street. I'm like, man, this boy, I'm going to let this boy know about Jesus, right? And I'm like, hey, young man. And then he takes off his AirPods like, what? I'm like, let me know. Let me let you know about Jesus, okay? You know about, you know what you're celebrating this month? He's about Christmas. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's Christmas, right? But do you know why we celebrate Christmas? And he's like, nah, it's because we don't want less of Christ. We want Christ mas. You get that? We want Moss Christ on Christmas. Don't, don't get it twisted. We want more of Jesus this Christmas. Amen, guys? Say more of Jesus. Say less of me. Say more of Christ, less rice. Because you know what I'm saying? We're going, we're going, we might expand a little bit. You may, you may have a little more of Christ and a more of you if you keep eating that rice, you know? Just kidding, just kidding. All right, so... We're going to learn about Jesus' story, okay, the beginning of his story. And every good story has a beginning. If you ever read a story that doesn't have a beginning, you're going to be confused. 
It may be an interesting story, though. It might be something to do. Maybe, Jaden, you'll be the next author, write a story that has no beginning, just randomly starts. You may write nothing. Well, what exactly is nothing that you're writing? <laughs> so this story has a beginning, and it's not just in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, right? Everybody say O.T., I love OT, right? If you don't know the OT, you got to know OT, all right? You got to know Old Testament. Old Testament is not boring. So if you're reading the Old Testament, you're snoring, you got to wake up. You got to understand it. Once you understand something, it changes. Things change. So I'm going to help you understand a little bit of Isaiah. Everybody say Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14 to 17. Remember, who is the king of glory? That is something I want you guys to keep thinking about. Who is the king of glory? And now glory is, is uh, basically beauty. It's majesty. It's like what's, what makes God God, his glory. It's what makes him uh, awesome in his power, right? And they're saying he's the king of it. He's the king of all glory. Now, we all have a little bit of glory, right? The Bible says that uh, the, uh, a young man, his strength, right? Looking at Nathan, Nathan's pretty strong right? Your strength is your glory, right? Looking at Daniel, Nathan, right? Twin brothers. Who, who would win the armor? No, no. Not twin brothers, sorry. I'd be tweaking sometimes. But Nathan and Daniel, who would win in an arm wrestling contest right now between you two? All right, how about Sonny and Josiah? Who would win? Sonny? You know, I can't just give up like that, bro. Okay. Someone that, all right, Nathan and uh, Damien. Damien, okay, all right. Let's, Chase and Caleb, that's a good one, Chase and Caleb. He's even surprised, all right, that'd be a good one, right? Why am I saying all this? It's because with men, sometimes we, we really get hyped about our strength. And the Bible says that the glory of a man is his strength, Okay. So the glory of a man is his strength. That's what it says. Now, here's the thing. You're not going to be strong forever, right? You look to your neighbor, right? They're not going to be strong forever, all right? You're not going to be swole forever. I don't know if some of you ladies work out. You guys can be strong, too. Don't worry. I know Hannah's pretty strong. Who would, who would, be, who would win a, an arm wrestling contest? What about in just, like, wrestling, like, throwing each other? Right? Yeah, yeah, no choking. We don't choke here. That's not wrestling. That's called murder. We don't do that. But uh, that stuff passes away, right? That stuff passes away. And then it says in the Bible that the glory of a young woman is her hair, right? It's her hair. So your hair is your glory. Now, I know you guys probably care about your hair, right? If you don't care about your hair, you know, you wouldn't do your hair in the morning, right? You wouldn't spend an hour doing your hair, right? Now... If you don't spend an hour in your hair, like, I just woke up like this, that's awesome. That's awesome. But your hair is not always going to be good. It's not always going to be manageable. Sometimes you actually, some women, they actually lose their hair, right? Especially, you know, when they have kids, you know, they lose their hair at times. So you might not always have glorious hair. It passes. But the king of glory, right? Now, this is a glory that doesn't pass away. This is a glory that stays. This is a glory. God's glory is not something that, that uh, is here one moment and gone the next. Here one lifetime and gone the next lifetime. 
It's not like that. God's glory is something that stays forever. Now, different than what we would say like a king, right? Now, now I want to shift to something a little bit more concrete. Like we have presidents, right? But a president's glory doesn't stay forever. Like, for example, who was the president three years ago? Now we don't ever hear about him no more. His glory done passed. I mean, we don't hear about Biden either because, you know, he's weird. But here's the thing. His glory will pass too. So even, even people who rule and they have, they're kings, their, their glory doesn't stay either. But now when we get to the king of glory, his glory stays. And I, I, I want to stress that for, uh, for a reason because Jesus is that king of glory. Spoiler alert, he's the king of glory. And, and Jesus actually has a, 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 he has a type of beginning. It's not his beginning, but it's a beginning in this, this ministry on this, war, on this earth. And he gets to now bring his glory to this earth. And it doesn't just start there. It starts in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, not, not chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10, 14, a little background information is that there's this place called Israel, right? Everybody say Israel. All right? Israel and Israel. It gets real, real in Israel. They, they are worshiping idols. They're out, here, they're out here disobeying God. The kings are bogus. The kings are some bootleg, shysty kings that don't know how to rule the kingdom. And you know what they're doing? They're leading people astray from following God. So God actually has this guy named Isaiah now. He's a prophet. That's like his profession. Like he's not just some shepherd that got picked up, became a prophet. Now he's a prophet to the core. And Isaiah is talking to this king called Ahaz. And he has a, he's going to give, he basically he's going to have a sign that, listen, if you don't fix yourself, if you don't make yourself right, you're going to get destroyed. This other nation is going to take you over. So Isaiah, the sign is, is this. It says, uh, is that verse 14? Go to verse 14, please. Right, you passed it. There you go. Therefore, the Lord himself, everybody say the Lord himself. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Everybody say the virgin. So a virgin is someone that has not had sex. Just to make that clear for everyone. That is what a virgin is, okay? Now, a virgin in that time was someone that, you know, obviously was younger, okay? So this young woman, this young virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, does anyone know what Emmanuel means? Say it nice and loud. Go ahead, AJ. God with us, right? And he will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, and he will bring the king of Assyria. So basically, Isaiah is like, bro... God is going, or not bro, but king, God is going to bring a son. 
And this virgin is to give birth to a son. And by the time before the boy is even born, uh, raised up to, to choose right and wrong, your kingdom is going to be destroyed by, this, by the king of Assyria. So that's the prophecy there in that context. And then we move on. Let's go to chapter 8, verse, uh, verses 1 to 4. So Isaiah gets this, this word. God tells him to say this to the king. And now Isaiah, uh, the Lord says to him, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Maher Shahal Hazbaz. Everybody say that with me. Maher Shahal Hashbaz. Now say it three times fast. Maher Shahal Halbaz. Maher Shahal Halbaz. Maher Shahal Halbaz. Can you guys say it? All right. So, so that's a hard name to say. But that name has a meaning. All right. When you look at the Bible, Names have meaning, they have importance, and they signify what that per, uh, what either God's going to do in that time or God's going to do to that person. So I called in Uriah the priest and Zechariah, son of Jeprekiah, uh, a reliable witness for me, and then I made love to the prophetess, his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, name him Maher Shahal Hashbash, for before the boy knows how to say my mother or my father, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. So that's technically the prophecy fulfilled, right? That's technically what it is. Isaiah, right, made love to his wife, and then they had a baby. And this baby was called Maher Halash Hashbash. Okay? Now, interesting thing, that name, it doesn't really sound... Hebrew, like it doesn't sound like an Isaiah. It doesn't sound like a, uh, a Hebrew name because I believe that name is Assyrian. Now, it's important because that name means to plunder. It means to plunder, to take away quickly. So basically, his name was a symbol of judgment. Everybody say symbol of judgment. How many, is there a Jacob in this place? Any Jacob? I know all y'all names, but any middle names here named Jacob? Anybody? Well, if your name was Jacob, you know your name means deceiver. Yeah. Yeah, so if you know Jacob, don't trust him with nothing. All right? But it's, but, and God literally says to name him, well, he's not, God doesn't say to literally name him that, but that's his name in the Bible. And, and his name has meaning. He ends up deceiving people many times. But then God changes his name to Israel, which means I have wrestled with God. And one, very interesting. Read that, okay? God literally wrestles with someone. Now, I have fought with God in one. Now, here's the thing. Why do I say that? Because names symbolize things. Isaiah's son's name, which I'm not going to say again. My hair, and I'm going to say it again. My hair, Hashbash. That name means to plunder, to take away quickly. And that's what happened to Israel. Assyria came and took it away quickly. And that's a sign of God's judgment. Everybody say God's judgment. This is important to understand because now we're going to the book of Matthew. Everybody go to book, uh, let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And I got to teach you guys this before we get into uh, really the point of this message. Let me, let me show you what Jesus' birth looked like, right? Uh, obviously, I can't show you what it looked like, 
because we didn't have no cameras back then. I don't know if you all want to see that. Y'all ain't ready for that, okay? It's crazy. It's a crazy scene. It's, a, it's, a, it's more blood than a murder scene when that stuff happens, okay? Uh, but it's beautiful. It's glorious. It's amazing, okay? And Jesus went through that, which is another thing I'm going to talk about. But this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Everybody say, Jesus the Messiah. So we're coming straight to the point. There's no secret about it. Jesus is a Messiah. The book's not trying, uh, Matthew's not trying to hide it. And there's no, there, it's a spoiler. It's everything, right? This is Jesus the Messiah and his birth. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, uh, her husband, now this is interesting. Okay, this is how serious. Y'all be dating and y'all be calling each other husband and wife. But then y'all break up like a week later. Like, that's my man. That's my girl. Listen, I want to let you know, y'all, that relationship ain't serious. That's why I tell people in my, in my, in my school. Because everyone gets booed up and they forget how to act. And I tell them, that relationship probably ain't going to last. But this is, this is how serious relationships were taken. They weren't even married yet. They were engaged. But it caused her, it caused, uh, it caused Joseph, her husband. And then he was faithful to the law. That means he knows... Hey, she, she's definitely not, pre- he's not believing her that she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit, so she, she's, he thinks she's lying, and he, but yet he loved her and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he was going to divorce her quietly. That's how serious they took engagement, right? So that's not something to play around with, right? Relationships ain't nothing to play around with. If you ain't ready to, to marry, I say you ain't, you ain't ready to be in a relationship, right? You can court, you know, you can go on little dates with your mom and your dad present, right? But yeah, I ain't ready for the ring. Y'all shouldn't be together. That's just my opinion. Moving on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. All right? So an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Everybody know about Joseph? And remember, not me, Joseph, right? But in the Old Testament, Joseph, right? He had dreams and all that. Well, God is speaking to this Joseph in a dream now. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I want to help you guys understand, the Holy Spirit did not make love to Mary. That's not what this, this is saying. Just like God breathed into Adam, everybody say, And then all of a sudden now, out of dust came a human life. God is now able to breathe on a woman, and then out of her womb comes a human life. Because what is the life of man but the breath of God? See, the breath of God is what animates man. The breath of God is what gives man his soul and gives him the ability to live. So if God wanted to put life in a woman that was a virgin, and all of a sudden now life came about, God could do that, right? Because he did it in the beginning. And, and just in case you guys don't understand, you guys think I'm making a stretch or whatnot, the word for breath and the word for spirit are the same in the old Hebrew language in the Bible called Rauk, right? And that was the, langu- that was the word for breath and for spirit. So when God breathed his life, he breathed life into Adam, he breathed spirit into Adam. When God, when God's spirit gave life to Eve, right, it was very similar to how now, uh, not life to, 
uh, gave life in Eve, right? And now Jesus was born, very similar to what happened with Adam. So just want to help you guys on that because cults, weird cults will say all types of weird things. Muslims, they, mis- they try to misinterpret this and, and try to make it seem weird. It's not weird. This is God putting life in someone. So the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So after all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Who's the prophet? What did we just read? Who's the prophet? No, the prophet that we just read earlier. Isaiah. So as God spoke to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. God what? God what? I say God, you say with. No, 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 not yet, not yet. I was waiting for Hezekiah to hop in to say us. <laughs> but dude, that's so, get this. So Isaiah is prophesying about something that he kind of like makes sure it happens. But then now God takes that same prophecy and he fulfills it completely with Jesus. So this is hundreds of years later. But yet now Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. When Joseph woke up now, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But, everybody say, but he did not make love, he did not consummate their marriage. That means they did not make love, they did not have sex until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name of Jesus. Now, this is something to understand because I thought he was going to be called Emmanuel. But yet, we're, calling, we're naming him Jesus. Very important, right? Let's go back to Isaiah now, chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Okay? And this right here is also another thing that gets twisted by cults, right? Just they don't understand the Bible. That's why y'all have to understand the Bible so you can help other people understand the Bible, Right? Verse 2, we'll go onward from there. But this is that same guy, Isaiah, a couple chapters later. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as the people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice. Can we continue going? When dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's foot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. It sounds kind of crazy right now. It sounds like what? War. It sounds like someone, right, is arriving to a town. And yeah, this person's great, has a lot of glory. It's a light shining in darkness, but they're about to take over. Now, what does it say? It says, for to us, a child. Everyone say a child. So this now, this person coming is a child. A child is born, and to us, a son is given. Everybody say given. Everybody say born. Everybody say given. Does it say created? Does it say created? I didn't say say created, but I said, does it say created? So this son is given. This child is born. It says the government will be on his shoulders. So you ever put the team on your back? Right? The whole world's going to be on his back. He's putting the government on his back. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wait, hold up, hold up. Mighty God. 
So this child that is born, this son that is given, this great light that's going to have the shoulder, the government on his shoulders, he's going to be called Mighty God and Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hold up. There's going to be no end to what he's ruling. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. But it's, everybody say forever. Say forever, ever. Say ever, ever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal, the passion of God will accomplish this. And who is this son given? Who is this child born? Who is this one that will reign on David's throne, who will rule forever? Let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. This is who? But he didn't. Go a little bit more. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus, God with us. But does anybody know, we got any candy or no? No? What about IOUs? We got IOUs? Does anybody know the name of Jesus before English? Yes. Huh? No, not quite. You're, good guess, good guess. Lucas, no, no, Liam, Yeshua, close, close, now trans, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you, but now translate that, Yeshua, translate that now to English, yes, Joshua, now, sorry, I flung that sucker, my bad, I got a little happy, I get excited sometimes, you guys, when you guys get right answers, I, all right, what does Joshua mean, no, what does Joshua mean? Yes, Jaden. No, that's Christ. That's Christ. What does Joshua mean? Ladies, y'all looking a little lost here. Guys, guys, guys been reading their Bible lately. They've been on that Bible plan. Come on. What does Joshua mean? Yes, Andy. Huh? Amen? I'm always good for amen, but not right now. Yes. Huh? You looked it up? Hey, listen, we live in the 21st century. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yes. Everybody say, God saves. So, now here's the thing, right? The prophecy that was given to Isaiah, Isaiah now fulfills it. God tells him, name his son, Mahir Har Shahal Baz, right? Which means... To plunder quickly, to steal, right? And this is a sign of God's judgment. But now, Mary said, you must give him the name Jesus because he will save your people from sin, their sins. Go to verse 21. So we understand now that Jesus didn't come up with the name, I hear, thank God, we, thank God. Thank God. Imagine, imagine that, right? Imagine that. If we had to worship my hair, Baz. 
If we had to do that, it'd be really hard. I don't even know if you can translate that to English. But we have Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. And Jesus is God saves. And it's a symbol. Now, his name is a symbol, not of judgment from Assyria, but of salvation from God. But not just salvation from God, but destruction, judgment from God. Because the, thought, the problem was Israel was wicked. Israel was evil. God's people had turned away from God, so God said, I'm going to judge you. And that's why Assyria came and wrecked them like that. But now we're in a similar predicament because God's people is all types of jacked up. Right after this, you read about the dude named Herod who's half Jew, half Gentile, and he's supposed to be like a token figure for the Jews. Like, don't get mad at us. Here's a Jew. He rules with us. But he's wicked, man. He kills John the Baptist. He's evil. He's seduced by his own daughter. He's a wicked guy. And he's one of the Jewish rulers. So now God, yes, he's going to save us from our sin. But how is he going to do that? Well, because he's going to bring judgment on the work of the enemy. Because the truth is, when Jesus came, it wasn't to look cute in a manger. It wasn't to provide us a bunch of awesome Christmas vibes and feelings and nostalgia. You see, Jesus, when he was born, it was simply to deliver us from our sins. That's why he was born, from the very get-go. Yet we've made Jesus about our feelings, making us feel better about our life, about our purpose. We've tried to make Jesus like a genie in the bottle. But the baby in the manger was always king. Jesus was always king from the minute he was born. You see, the epic arrival of this miraculous king is different than any other king. You get in the Bible, you read about all types of kings, but what do kings usually have? They usually have daddies who are kings. And those daddies that are kings have to give them the power. Now, there was no father on earth for Jesus to receive that power. He was born with it. He didn't have to be taught. He was born with it. You see, Jesus didn't have to wait for all of a sudden some man on earth to give him the keys to the kingdom. The Father had already given it to him. He was born king of this world. Because who is the Lord of glory? Who is the king of glory? It's this baby now. This baby in the manger, he's the king of glory. We have to open our gates, open our doors, open our very lives to this king of glory. And he was not like any other king. You see, in the Bible, it's an ancient book. And a lot of ancient books, they like to hype up the, the, the birth of their king. If you ever read about the birth of the king, they'll have a bunch of signs and symbols. And, and, and it's very similar to what you see a lot happen in the Bible. But it's always surrounded by glory and majesty. Like, man, the, this person was a legend as a baby. And they try to do that in Jesus, too. If you ever read the Quran, I say don't read the Quran unless you're going to refute the Quran, right? Because it's a useless book written by some demonic, possessed dude. But you know what they say? They take stories from people that talk about Jesus being a baby, and they said that Jesus was walking on water as a baby, that he was talking from the crib. So, and then there's other stories that the Quran kind of borrows from. They don't mention it in the Quran, but there's these fake stories about Jesus that talk about Jesus was shooting laser, laser heat beamers out of his eyes as a baby. It's like we want to make babies' birth sound so crazy. Ba Jesus as a baby is so insane. He was lifting tire trucks and everything. He had an S on his chest. <laughs> 
right? He was flying and everything. No, no, no. This is the importance of Jesus' birth, that it was so human. It was so lowly. It was nothing to be aspired for, man. I'm telling you right now, uh, when Hezekiah was born, I would not want her to give birth to him in a manger. I want a, I want a good hospital. I don't want... No offense to anyone that got born in the hospital on Central. That's, that's, that hospital scares me, right? But I'm not even trying to go to that hospital. I'm like, I need a decent hospital, a good one, one that I can say, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm feel secure in. Now imagine I didn't even get no hospital. We had to go to a manger, right? And where's the glory in that? How do, how's that fit for a king? But not only that, now he's surrounded by animals, by livestock. It's dirty in there. It smells bad. Right, and it's just him and his mom and Joseph, his stepdad. And it's like, where is the glory in any of this? But that's where he's born. And get this, this is not just an, a king though, right? Because the problem with lots of kings is they like to hype themselves up to appear to be God. But God lowered himself down and appeared to be man. Do you understand that? Many kings and many rich people, celebrities in this world, they're always calling themselves God. They always want to elevate themselves. But what did God do? He brought himself down low. You see, people were trying to be God. God became man. People try to elevate themselves, make themselves so great, make themselves better than other people. But here's God now in the flesh being born in a manger. There's nothing lower than a baby. A baby can't defend himself. A baby has no ascribed value other than what we put on them, right? A baby, I mean, we're killing babies now. But yet that is how God now chooses to come and join humanity. And, it, and it's not like God all of a sudden, you know, when, when Jesus was born, it was, the, uh, it was the swan that came through and dropped him down. No, he came, he came through just like every one of us. He experienced humanity like every one of us, and that's God. That's God. And a lot of people are disgusted by that. It, it, it's sacrilegious. It's, almost, it's disrespectful to talk about the holy in such a way. That's what a lot of Muslims say. How could you say God came through a woman's private parts? Right? That's what they'll say. But yet, this is why. This is why it's so important. Because Jesus is that close to us. You see, God with us isn't just a, a funny catchphrase. No, God was literally with us. He joined us in every single way. Jesus was born like every man. Jesus cried when he was born like every man. Jesus fell and scraped his knee like every other man. Jesus was just like every other man, but he was God. You see, this is why it's so important this holiday is to understand this, to get, to get, man, like Holy Ghost high off this stuff, man. This stuff will change your life when you understand that God is so close to me, that he experienced what I experienced, the pain that I felt, he felt that. The loss that I felt, he felt that. And he felt it not like some God stoic, not, not showing any emotion. No, he wept like I wept. He was born like I born. He bled like I bleed. The very fact that I can say that about my God encourages me like nothing else. That when I pray, I don't, I'm not praying to someone that doesn't know my human experience. I'm praying to someone that understands me more than I understand myself. 
more than my best friend could ever understand me, more than my wife could ever understand me. I'm praying to Jesus, God with us. You see, Jesus' birth separates him from any other king, lowered himself. The one from on high came down low, and he made his dwelling among us. You see, and he was born. If I can have Daryl come up, please. He was born to deliver us from sin, but he was also born now to destroy the real enemy, which is sin. You see, Joshua, anybody know the story of Joshua in the Bible? What does God tell Joshua many times? Anybody know? Joshua chapter um, 1, verse 9. Y'all should memorize this, especially people that are afraid in this place. Right? What does he say? Anybody know? Even opening up to leaders. What, is, what does God constantly tell Joshua in the book of Joshua? Huh? Fear not. Do, do not be dismayed. Be encouraged. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because Joshua, what was he doing? He was going on a conquest. Joshua was being sent to take over nations, to take over cities that did not obey God. So instead of calling Jesus Mahir Hatsbubath, right, I just keep working worse as I go along. Instead of calling him that, he called him Joshua because God saves. But how does God save us? He saves us by destroying sin, going on a conquest for sin. You see, what Jesus did in his life was war. It was war for your soul. You see, because there is an enemy, sin, that is trying to destroy your soul. It may seem like, oh, sin ain't that bad. Nothing's going to happen. That's wrong. I'm just living my life. That's how Israel felt. I'm just worshiping this idol. I'm just having sex outside of marriage. I'm just doing all these things. I know God didn't tell me to do, but I'm living my life. Nothing wrong is going to happen. Next thing you know, they're completely taken captive. Their women are being raped. Their children are being killed. Their men are being killed. But it was just sin. You see, sin destroys you. And Jesus has come to save us from our sin. But the only way to save us from our sin is to destroy sin. And I want to give you a warning, Elevate. If you are in love with your sin, you're going to be destroyed. You see, if we have two kingdoms, one kingdom that's going to last forever, and it's going to take over the whole world, what's going to happen to the other kingdom? You see, Jesus, when he came, he came to take over. He didn't come to take, he didn't come just to be super nice to everyone. If you read the Gospels, Jesus is calling people fools. He's telling them to, them to repent. He's saying if you don't repent, something worse is going to happen to you. He said that to a guy he healed from lame, uh, being a lame, from not being able to walk. You see, Jesus, when he came, he came to save us from our sins and destroy sin. From the very beginning, that was, that's the point of his name. If I can have the altar workers come up, please. So this Christmas, right? This Christmas, don't get it twisted. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about your sin. It's not about your greed. It's not about your lust. All that stuff, yeah, that needs to, that needs to be given to Jesus. You need to surrender that stuff to Jesus. If everyone can stand up, please.
So listen, if you are too high, if you're too high to surrender to Jesus, you need to be humbled. Because Jesus was not too high to come low to save you. You see, Jesus, he's worth it all. He's worth every single moment in our lives. He's worth every single dream that we give up. He's worth every single relationship that we give up. He's worth every single time we choose to pray and read the Bible instead of play a stupid video game. He's worth every single moment of saying no to a sport and yes to him. No to popularity and yes to him. Jesus is worth it all because Jesus gave it all. That's it. He's worth your teenage years. He's worth your minuscule four years of being a teenager. He's worth it all. He's worth my 20s. You see, I'm doing a lot, I think a lot of times, I'm, I'm able to do the thing that you guys wish you could be doing, some of y'all that ain't following Jesus. I have a car. I can go anywhere I want. I have money. I have a job. I can buy anything I want. I can get drunk, go to work the next day, live that type of life. I could do that, but it's not worth it. He's worth more than that. He's king. He's king. Who am I? Who am I to tell God how to run my life? The peasant doesn't come to the king and tell him how to rule his kingdom. We don't come to Christ and say, this is how I'm going to rule my kingdom. Letting you know you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be swept away. If everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. The point is, Jesus is the king of glory. Jesus, who came on from high, down low, to save our wretched souls, to save these filthy souls and make them new. That's the Jesus we worship. That's the Jesus we praise. Not born like every other king, but born of a virgin from the Holy Spirit. Jesus who is pure, who is blameless, who doesn't have a stain to his name. That Jesus is who we worship, who we praise. And if you are not in his kingdom, you risk destruction. You risk destruction. I want to let you know Jesus will judge you for every single thing you've done. That same Jesus that you say, oh yeah, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but with your heart you kill, you hate, that's the same Jesus that's going to be at your neck. That's the same Jesus that's going to be stabbing your heart. That's the same Jesus that's going to be decapitating your life. And I'm using these references to help you understand this is war. If you're not for God, you're against God. Joshua is a conquest. He's a ruler. He was, he was killing people in the Old Testament. It is no coincidence Jesus is called Joshua. It's because he's going to kill sin. He's going to judge the world in righteousness. So everyone, heads, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. This loving Jesus is giving you guys an opportunity to repent. There is a thing called grace now. And this is how God saves us from our sin because of grace. But we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves, elevate. We have to stop thinking we can do it on our own. We have to stop thinking that we can live without God. We can no, do no good apart from God. 
Father, right now, Lord, I pray for each and every youth that you would save their soul, Lord. Right now, as I'm praying, you guys should be praying right now. If you're not praying for yourself, you should be praying for this city. You should be praying for your neighborhood. You should be praying for your friends. You should be asking God, God, help me to bring them to you. Help me to bring you to them. That's what you should be praying right now. Because the gift that God has given is meant to be given to others. The gift that the Father has given, this Son, is meant to be given to others. And if you don't give Jesus to other people, you're doing them a disservice. That's a hate crime to God. To withhold the gospel from someone who is in the darkness. You haven't seen the light then. Father, I pray right now that you would wake up these youth, God. Wake up these youth, Lord. Stir in their hearts a heart for the lost. Stir in their hearts a heart for your commandments, God. May they long to hear your word. May they long to be free from sin. May they long to be united to you, God. You guys should be praying with me. I shouldn't be the only one praying. You stone, cold-hearted people. When will you repent? When will you give your life to the one who loves you? This is your God. It's not just my God. This is your king, not just my king. This is your savior, not just your parents' savior, not just your grandparents' savior. He's not just the savior of this world out there. He's the savior of all the people in here. Surrender to him. Live for him. God, we surrender to you, Lord. God, we humble ourselves before you. God, give us a heart of flesh, Lord. God, forgive us for our complaining. Forgive us for our attitude. Forgive us for our bitterness, Lord. Some of you guys need it right now to get on your knees and start surrendering to God and ask Him for forgiveness. prayer dismissal but listen guys this is not a joke I know I know we come to elevate we hang out we have fun we eat good food but man dude it's worth nothing it's worth nothing if you're not living for Christ the king of glory is not over your life and man you're you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong and it's sad to come up here sometimes and just see dead eyes and I get it maybe some of you are tired man I understand but I know some of you just don't give a rip and you should because you need to if we can all pray one last time before we dismiss in your own words just begin to tell God break my heart God, make, I want to be sensitive to you Lord you know, a lot of times when we watch movies, we, we, we look at life sometimes like a movie, like it, there's no effect to us. See, see, I, I feel God has put in this, on the church, an awareness for this generation to be aware of one thing truly, and that's apathy. 
A lot of people in church are apathetic, and it's because you guys go through the motions. But I want you to break out of that right now. Do something different right now as we end up praying. God does not want you to be apathetic. He doesn't want to see you to see people sin and sin and not know him and be okay with it. He doesn't want you to look at your own sin and be like, oh, oh well, that's not what God is doing in your life. And what you have to do is break the motions. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, as, as we're all praying together, God, that you would break our hearts, you would break what's normal in our life, Lord, break what's comfortable in our life. God, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be hiding in the background any longer at school. We wouldn't be hiding our faith, making it a secondary thing about us, God. But Lord, I pray that we would be bold, God, bold with this truth that you are with us. That you are willing to forsake your popularity, your name, your majesty, your glory in order to be close to us. God, let us not do the opposite and try to now gain popularity and push you away. Gain fame and push you away, Lord. Forgive us if we were doing that, Lord. God, I pray that we would be all considered lame, all considered uh, uh, idiots, stupid, Lord, before the world. And we would praise you for it. God, we want to know you more in this place. We want you to increase in our life, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you in this place, Lord. You are love. You are light, Lord. And God, we know that in you, that's, that's where we have life, Lord. So we trust you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys.